Man, I got, I got a new prayer after that. Uh, anytime things don't go the way I kind of want them to turn out, I'm going to ask God to turn them into a pair of light up Lightning McQueen tennis shoes. You know, Isn't that, wouldn't that be cool when things aren't going your way, like uh, tomorrow, today, whatever, just say, man, God, turn these into some Lightning McQueen tennis shoes, man, and see where God takes all of this. So anyways, very cool. Hey, um, so uh, today I got, I got something for you. Uh, how many of y'all know that the person sitting next to you has an issue that they always want to be the boss? You ever have it, Camden? Does your dad ever want to be just be the boss? Yeah, exactly, man. Hey, hey, Tom, does, does Camden want to be the boss? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so how many of y'all know that there's people in your vicinity that want to be the boss? Can I see your hands, right? All right, how many of you will admit that you have an issue that you want to be the boss? All right? It's not a bad thing because you were created to be the boss. Did you know that? And I'm going to show it to you biblically today. Um, <clears throat> so everybody say that. I'm going to say, you. I, I was created to... Be the boss. All right, so you ready for again? Start with me. I was created to be the boss. All right, man, you got to say that with some authority. All right, you ready now, Roger? Yes, sir. That's it, man. Let's hear it, guys. All together. One, two, three. I was created to be the boss. See, I like the way she says it, man. She's got it because, yeah, she believes that. I was created to be the boss. All right? And that is what God created us to do was to be the boss. And we're going to see this biblically today. But because of my sin, I suffered a loss, all right? I know this is like a bad rap, bad rhyme, bad whatever, but it'll help you remember it, okay? So the first one was, I was created to, but because of my sin, I suffered a loss, right? In other words, when we became sinners, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they now weren't able to be the kind of godly bosses that they were supposed to be. They, they weren't now listening to God. The only way we can be a good boss, a good manager over everything in this world is if we're listening to God. And so they kind of messed it up. So, man, I was created to be the boss, but because of my sin, I suffered a loss. But now, guess what else rhymes with boss and loss? Begins with a CR. It's the, the cross. So because of Christ, he fixed it on the Okay, so let's see if we can get all this. And now, for those of you who are musically minded here, okay, I'm expecting a little, like, rap after this or a little, like, you know, like, Tom, I can just see you and Amy. Your wheels are turning, bro, and his mind, he's doing it. All right, so I, I was created to be the boss, but because of sin, I suffered a But But Christ fixed it all on the cross, man. And that's what we're going to look at today in, um, in Hebrews chapter 2. And so... But, but I've got to kind of tell you kind of how this all sort of happened. And I'm pretty excited about the future. Anybody here excited about the future? Man, do you know what our future holds as a Christ follower? Man, the other day, I was just killing some time, man, trying to stay out of trouble. I was probably like at a stoplight on, on US-1. I was reading the headlines to the news, okay? And I was reading the headlines to one app news, you know, feed. And I was looking, thinking, dude, if I would have seen this 10 years ago and shown it to anybody, they would have said, man, Jesus is coming back. Because things are, half the things were about Israel and Jerusalem. Another, well, you know, half of the things, I'm going to give you about five halves, were, were about artificial intelligence and robots and, and everybody spying on everybody and Big Brother. And, and the other part was all about rumors of war and wars and, you know, Korea and Russia and everybody fighting. I mean, everything that was in there was like, dude, this is prophecy right here being fulfilled before our eyes. 
So I flip over to another news app because the light hadn't changed yet. I was now probably the second part of this light. And uh, how many of y'all realize you're starting to get hit by two or three lights now as you're going? Yes. So say it, make extra time. And so, man, I read it. There it is again. I read another one and there it is again. And what I just kept seeing, I was just like, oh my goodness, what an awesome time to be alive as a Christ follower. Is that not a cool thing? I don't know when Christ is coming back, but I know we are one day closer today than we were yesterday. But how many of you know things in this world are exponentially spinning out of control and changing where we can't even keep up with it? Anybody noticing that? Yeah, dude. And again, what an awesome time to be a Christ follower because as Christ follower, we're light. And so in this dark world, wherever you decide to be light, wherever you go, man, it's going to show up. The greatest darkness can't hide the tiniest light. So, man, wherever you go in this world, you may think you don't have an impact. You may think nobody noticed. You may think I don't matter. But, man, the master of the lampstand is putting the light where it needs to be. So realize every moment of every day where you're at, he's putting you as light there. And because the world's so dark, as you walk with Christ, man, it's going to shine. Because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you the good news. This is how I see eschatology unfolding or the end times unfolding. The next great event on God's spiritual calendar is, is the rapture. And you may say, and I'm not going to get into all the theological debates and arguments about time and all of this. I am pro-rapture. Jesus is coming back. How many of y'all believe he's going to come back? It's evident in scripture. We don't know when. We don't know timing on all of this. And everybody wants to argue and fuss and fight. But the fact is, I'm pro-rapture. He's coming back. And um, he's going to snatch away his believers. If, you're, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you because you have surrendered your life to Christ, then when he comes back with the shout of an archangel, man, he's going, he's going to snatch you away. And you'll know that it's happening because what's happening with the graves all at that time? Yeah, the, 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 the dead in Christ whose souls are already up in heaven, their bodies are going to be reunited. So, dude, on my way up, I'm going to be like, hey, Granny, what's up? I mean, what I'm saying here is the dead in Christ are going to rise. This is going to be a monumental event. How many of y'all know that you have a, a family member that's a believer that's in heaven with their soul right now, but they got a body going to resurrect? Anybody know someone like that? Yeah, dude. Be looking. That's, it's all going to happen. It's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. That's a fact. Everybody blink, man. Just blink. Because there's some people who are saying, dude, when I see that stuff going on, man, I'm going to give my life to Christ. It's going to happen like in a twinkling of an eye and a blink. If you got the desire to give your life to Christ now, go for it now. You'll never meet anyone who did it and wish they hadn't done it, right? But thousands like me wish we'd done it sooner. But the fact is, as Christ followers, that's going to happen. And we don't know when it's going to happen. You remember the disciples like, hey, when are you going to come do this? And he's like, man, don't worry about it. He said, you're going to know the signs. You're going to be able to see. And you're going to know stuff's going on. But when you think it can't get any worse, guess what? It's going to get worse. And you can't think it's going to get any worse. It's going to get worse. And about the time everybody says, all right, it's all cool. We're used to this. Boom, like a thief in the night, I'm coming. And I'm going to snatch my people away. And so when these, we get snatched away, we're going to, where are we going? Heaven. Dude, we're going to heaven. Let that sink in. I mean, anybody, we're looking forward to our vacation in the Keys. That's like two days after Christmas. We're going to the Keys. We're going to have a couple days of, of, of diving and snorkeling and stuff. We are so looking forward to that little vacation. 
How many of you ever look forward to a vacation? You look forward to Dude, this is heaven. <laughs> this is all expense paid trip to paradise. And so we're going to be there. And so how long are we going to be there for? Forever, man. But at first, we're going to be there for seven years for a honeymoon because we're the bride of Christ. And now our groom is going to bring us together and we will be at the marriage supper of the lamb. So how many of y'all like suppers, man? Anybody like dinner? You, you, I mean, how many of y'all know a good cook, right? We had, we had a cookie thing going on at, uh, on small group Monday night cookie and there were some awesome ones. But how many of y'all think God's a good cook? Got the potential? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And it's not even going to be about the food. It's going to be the fellowship. It's every. We are going to be in an all-expense-paid trip to paradise that's starting with the most awesome wedding reception anyone has ever been a part of. And that's just the beginning of it as we are married to, to our groom. The church get, gets, gets the marriage is consummated together. But as we know, when we are gone... Basically, what's going to happen is somebody's got to make some sense out of it. And I'm not just kind of rewriting the whole Left Behind books. I don't think they're that far off. But the idea is, is that if all of us get snatched up, okay, man, you're driving cars, you're flying planes, you're sailing boats, you're, you're doing homeschool. You're like, what? I'm just saying, whatever we're doing, we're diving on a dive boat. And they're like, dude, where's Terry and Eddie? You know, I don't even, there's their safety sausage, but there's nobody at the bottom of that. You know, I'm just saying, it's like, all of a sudden, people are going to be disappeared and nobody knows. Somebody's going to have to come on the scene and make some sense of it all. they got to make a sense of it all. And how many of y'all realize our world is getting more and more gullible? Does anybody see that? I mean, are we not getting more and more gullible? It's like all of a sudden somebody tells us this and like, oh, yeah, we'll buy this. It'll melt 50 pounds of fat off. Wait till January and you'll go buy it. Right? I'm just saying, we're so gullible. We believe this, we believe that, we believe the other thing. And it's all what the Bible says is going to happen. It's setting things up for the end. Because the world's got to be gullible to buy whatever explanation the Antichrist is going to come up with. Whether it's Antichrist, a person, or it is a system, whatever it is, it, when we are gone, the Holy Spirit is gone, so the presence of God is gone. Let that sink in. Do you realize right now the only reason there's a God presence in your immediate environment, in your circle of friends, is because you're there? When we're gone, the Holy Spirit is gone. And that's what's been holding back evil. So literally all hell will bust loose. But it doesn't always just bust loose with a sledgehammer. And so when all of that goes down and we're gone... The Antichrist, there will be a one world government, there will be a one world economy, and we know there will be a one world religion. Yes, there will be a religion. So there's going to be, there's going to be those things. How many of y'all see that those things are good possibilities? In our, you read the news and you see things concerning that about a one world government. What the world is globalization? And again, I'm not speaking bad of it, I'm just saying all of it's being set up. One world government, one world economy. Wow. What have you all been hearing about this week? What's the new way to get rich? Bitcom, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, but one world economy, there's so many ways to, to even dissect that thing. And, and a one world religion. Let's just all get along. Let's coexist. Get a bumper sticker and I know you're on my team, right? If the C didn't need all the other letters. All right, but anyways, well, that's another message. But so in this, that's what's got to happen. And, and did you know even Islam has a plan for Jesus coming back? 
And, and Islam's plan is that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to remove the people of the book. Who are the people of the book? Christians and Jews. And then now we can have Sharia law and have things the way, we, the way we're supposed to have. Religions all are talking about this. They all have this. But the fact is we know we'll be in heaven. But at this time, during this seven-year period, it's going to start out as a period of peace. You want to read about it, read about it in, in Revelation chapter 6 through probably 18 or so, maybe even 19. And it'll start out as a place for peace. Okay, but the Jews aren't going to be removed at that point unless they've given their life to Christ. This is a time period for them to go through great tribulation so that when their Messiah does come, when Jesus Christ comes, they will be ready to accept him and give their life to him and be saved. That's the point of the tribulation period. But the other point is it is judgment on all of those who have rejected what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And you have, had, you have both heard and had the ability to put your faith and trust in. And you want to read about how many different ways God can destroy this earth. And how many ways people can be punished, not corrected anymore, but how God's wrath is going to come out. Man, read that last half of all of that. But if you're a Christ follower, dude, you're as close to hell as you're ever going to be. Is that good news? <laughs> you're, you're, you're there. That, that means our business is even shorter. Our time is short for what we've been called to do as the church for now. Because what great event has to happen for the rapture to happen? Emily, you're a seminary student. Now, does anything have to happen biblically in order for Jesus to come back right now? The answer is no. Yes, thank you. There's nothing that has to happen. Wouldn't it not be awesome if he just came back right now? Anybody here be stoked about that? If you're not, but you have the desire to give your life to Christ, you got the ability to do it, man, and surrender. There's a lot of questions. There, as believers, 20-something years, I don't know what happens next. I, I, it's called faith. And, but he's given me the desire and ability to put all my faith and trust in him. I don't know what's coming next, but, you know, in my life, I may be having some Lightning McQueen shoes here coming up. But I don't know, but I trust him in all of that. So anyways, after that seven-year period, that seven-year period where we're on our honeymoon, where the earth is being destroyed, and literally, that's literally what happens. There is a giant battle down here. Anybody know Bruce, what was it? Bruce Willis had a movie about it, right? But it wasn't quite the same thing. Well, what's that big battle called that the world, whenever there's a big, nasty battle, the world says it's this way. What is the battle? And the world knows about. How many of y'all have heard of the word Armageddon? That Armageddon is what happens in the end. And basically all of those that have not been judged and destroyed at that point who have not followed Christ are, are going to die in this battle. Armageddon is the end battle, the final battle. Boom. But at the end of that seven years, there's going to be some folks. There's going to be some folks that have given their life to Christ that haven't died yet. And so in that situation, those people are now going to populate the earth. For how long? Do we know? They're, they're, they're for, this, for what's called the millennial kingdom. And the millennial kingdom is what you were created to be the boss for. <laughs> you, you were created. We are, as a Christ follower, we are going to be the boss. We are going to be rulers. We are going to be the kings. And I'll explain how that works out. So you've got, you've got this rapture where we'll be with Christ. You've got the tribulation period for seven years. At the end of that, Christ comes back and basically kicks tail and what does he do with Satan at the end of that? At the end of that, this is all in 
Revelation 19, 18, 19. You can read it yourself this afternoon. What does he do with Satan at the end of this? He binds him up. Exactly. He, he doesn't even, Christ doesn't have to do it. He sends another angel down to do it. Okay? And the angel comes and binds Satan and throws him in the pit for a thousand years. So there will be no Satan for a thousand years. And there will be a new earth, that is, or the earth will be restored to what it was before the fall. Now, if you want to know what that was, if you want to know what the earth was like, go read some of the prophets. Just, just Google it up about the millennial kingdom and what prophets have said about it. You ever heard the verses where the lion lays down with the... Lion lays down with the lamb. Do you understand in the Garden of Eden, um, in the garden, what happened in all of this is that, um, oh, that was funny, huh? <laughs> they said I was too tan and they couldn't see me on the camera. So, <laughs> but, but um, now where was I? <laughs> no. All right. The lion laying down with the lamb and, 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 uh, and it even talks about cobras. A baby will play next to a cobra's den and nothing will happen. Do you understand that's the way it was in paradise when Adam and Eve, before they sinned? Do you understand? God put him in a perfect garden, a perfect place. He was the perfect parent, but he gave them a choice so that when they did what he want, it wanted him to do, they did it out of love. He didn't force them or make them a program robot with a microchip in them to make them obey God. He wanted them. The only way we can show our love for God is by what, Natalie? Exactly, by obedience. That's the only way we can show that we love him is by making a choice. That's why he gave us a choice. And so, so in that, prior to them listening to Satan's suggestions, and by the way, the snake did not make them eat the apple or eat the fruit or whatever it was. He just simply suggested it, and they bit. Pardon the pun. They went for it. And, and, and from then on, now sin was introduced into the world and sin became part of the decision-making process. What was the tree that they ate off of? You guys remember the tree of knowledge of what, Susie? Good and evil. Prior to this, they would look at a naked body and not see anything evil about it. It was all good. That's hard for some of us. If you looked at your body in a, in a mirror naked, I'm just saying, it's like we can find a lot of bad. I'm just saying them, they looked at each other. They looked at everything, and they saw nothing but good. But after they ate of that fruit, they now could see evil and stuff, and they weren't equipped to deal with that. And so from then on, as the boss, they were supposed to be the boss of the garden. Does anybody have your Bible open there? You want to open it real quick to Genesis chapter 1. Somebody go Genesis chapter 1. Sophie, you almost there? You know you're going to read now, right? What? Yeah, man. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. Go, go ahead. You're almost, it's right there. You guys there? Yeah. All right, start at verse 24 for us. Or 26, I'm sorry. Okay, so did you hear that? God said, let us, let us make man in our own image and, and let us make them have dominion over what? The fish of the sea and the birds of the air. What does dominion mean? It means you're in charge of it. They were simply given the job of ruling and running this earth. How have we done, folks? I mean, everybody right now, man, people are selling their boats. They're scared to go in the river. You know what the real answer is, in spite of what everybody comes up with, is, is, is 
no sin. <laughs> when you don't do things God's way, you create sin and you mess things up. And that's what's been happening since Adam and Eve fell. So the only way everything's going to get fixed in this ecology, in, in this world, is if we no longer have sin. Right? So he says you've got to have dominion over all of that. Keep going, Sophie. Oh, Sherry went back. But anyways, so that's good enough, Sophie. Don't worry about it. So you go back and read. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 25 and go to the end of the chapter. And what you will see is I was created to be a, a boss. You were created to be the boss. But because of sin, we now suffered a Because, again, how many of y'all ever had a perfect boss? <laughs> Gary, you ever have a perfect boss, man? Someone never made a mistake. You ever been a perfect boss? No. And every time we make a mistake... You do. And what's his name? Jesus. Yeah, he comes at the end of this when we get into this little ver- these little sections of verse I'm talking about. But, uh, but in this, yeah, when everything was perfect, when they were perfect, when they were innocent, before they had sinned, they were following. Up. Here's what God's deal was. Look, I'm going to put you in charge, and if you will just do what I've asked you to do, everything will work out. I mean, doesn't that sound like a reasonable deal? Isn't that what your professors say? Look, here's the syllabus. You do what I say to do, it'll all work out. Okay, where it doesn't work out is where you don't do what they say. Okay, and it's that way all the way across the board. And so once they sin now, they're no longer perfect bosses and they're not capable. So we have been making bad decisions since Adam. And that's why this world keeps going down and going down and going down. But we're going to see today how Christ fixed that. So here's the good news again, guys. All right, we start out. With, next event is the rapture. Boom, we're gone seven years. Honeymoon period. Uh, Earth, it, it's, for, it's for, for Israel to get saved. It's for basically God to clean up this world because this is God's business. And people who aren't following him are messing up God's business. And somebody messes up your business, you're going to fire him, right? Well, God's got a different way of firing. After being merciful and merciful and merciful, saying, please obey the rules here. Please do what I'm asking you to do. And like any other boss, when you don't obey the rules and you constantly rebel against the boss and you constantly mess up his business, he's going to take action. Only we're talking about the business of all business, which is humankind. And so at the end of the the tribulation, boom, it's all cleared up. And so what happens is now we have a thousand year period where the lion lays with the lamb, where we don't even, you know, need swords, man. Or now, now we use shovels, man. We, I mean, what I'm saying is the cobra lays with the, with the child and nothing happens. You can read about that in the Old Testament from the prophets. And that's what Israel was looking for when Christ came the first time. And they were quite disappointed because it didn't come. And so for that thousand year period, Christ is literally going to be on the throne physically on earth, on a, on a restored earth, the way it was before the curse. Everything's going to be good. And we are going to be reigning with him. Hey, where would you like to reign, Mike? What, what do you like to do? You like hunting, man, fishing, kayaking, all that? So you show up, you're like, all right, God, what do we do today? He's like, oh, yeah, where, where would you like to go, man? Where do you want to go? Okay, I want to go to Jensen Beach, man, and I want to go in a restored Indian river where there's snook and trout this big, and you can actually eat them because they're not poisoned from the muck coming out of the lakes and stuff. Or, or 
septic tanks or whatever we want to blame it on, right? Okay, Tom, where do you want to go? What do you want to do in this world, man? Yeah, so, so I'm right there with you. Now you're near too. Tom, Tom, you there? How many of y'all want to go surfing, man? Anybody want to go surfing? Yeah, and we'll have a perfect body, not like the one we got. Well, not I have now, all right? I know you guys don't have limitations anymore, but, but we're going to have a perfect body, and it's like, oh, dude, where do you want to go? Hey, let's just go to, let's go surf Jaws today. Hey, let's go, and we'll be able to do it right now. We would die, right? <laughs> or we just go to Costa Rica and have some six-foot glass, you know, peelers. That sounds pretty good. And so he, we're going to be ruling with him however he wants us ruling. Mike, what do you want to I mean, uh, yeah, what do you want to do, bro? Oh, but you see, that we're going to be ruling with him for a thousand years, and we're not going to be getting old because we have a glorified body. How's that sound, Roger? Yeah, yeah, dude. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be perfect for a thousand years. And we'll be ruling with him. But the people who start out as humans during that thousand years, even though Satan's not there, they still have a nature to do what? What's that S word? Sin. You understand that, that you don't need Satan. All Satan does is offer suggestions. And, and we follow even as believers. He doesn't make us do stuff. We blame him for all. We choose to sin. And so these people who start off righteous, their offspring, at the end, they're going to become sinful people. And after that thousand years, God is going to release Satan for just a little while. And he's going to go in a short period of time, round up people from the four corners of the earth to say, let's rebel against God. With him sitting right there on the throne and people are going to be so gullible, they're going to go with him and do it. And they're going to try to overthrow the people of God. Can you imagine that? Christ on the throne. But, they're, but Satan is so deceptive and that they come and try to go against them. And bottom line is God wipes them out once again. And then now we have the final judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. You can find it in scripture. And here's what he says in this. That uh, when you look, you're going to see someone sitting on a great white throne. And that's going to be Christ. And, and we're already taken care of because we have now asked for what Christ did on the cross to cover our sins, correct? So our judgment's done. But everyone who decided they wanted to be judged according to their works and compare themselves to somebody else, that's who this great white throne judgment's for. And it says that when they see him who sat on the throne, both large and small, great, powerful and not powerful, rich and poor, Everybody who came to him, they said, man, we made a mistake. And it says he opened up the books. And then he opened up another book, which is the book of life. And it then tells us that those whose names were not found book, written in the book of life were written in the books. And they were judged according to their works. You know, all of us who are believers, if you're a believer, you're a Christ follower, all of your actions are written down in the books. But let me ask you a question. Which would you rather be judged by? Would you rather have God open the books and say, all right now, all right, Sophie, here's all the things you've done in your certain period of life. You want to be judged according to that when I'm requiring perfection? Or would you like to be judged by the book? Meaning that what Christ did on the cross, which is the perfect sacrifice, is now applied to your life. Which one do you want to be judged by? Would you rather be judged by what Jesus did or what you did? Yeah. I, doesn't that make sense? That's the option I'm offering you right now according to the word of God. 
You have that choice right now because one day the books are going to be open and the book's going to be open. And, and if you have get, said, I'm not worthy, there's no, I already know I've blown perfection. How many of y'all know you've blown perfection? Dude, I've blown perfection in the last two minutes. <laughs> you know, we blow perfection all the time and that's what's required. That's why it took Christ becoming perfect and coming 100% man, 100% God, coming down here and never sinning. And, and being the final perfect sacrifice and God saying, if you put your faith and trust in him and believe what he did on the cross, pays for your sins, you can one day be judged by what he did as opposed to what you did. But unfortunately, there's people that are still going to think, I'm going to be judged by what I did. I'm better than a lot of those Christians, and you probably are. Because I know me, and I'm one. That's why I need to be judged according to Christ and not me. And when I gave my life to Christ, man, my name's now put in the book of life. And what it says in that great white throne judgment is that anyone's names who is not found written in the book of life, who decided they want to be judged according to their works, they were thrown in the eternal lake of fire. So everyone whose names are in the book are in heaven. And this is the final. Then he talks about the last two chapters of the final heaven and the final hell. And you want to be encouraged as a Christ follower? Man, anytime you need encouragement as a Christ follower, go read the last two chapters of the Bible. It will rock your world. You, you will see that when you have to make a choice to live for this world or the next, you live for the next world. And how futile it is to live for this one. So now, with about 15 minutes left, let's get back to this text because you're going to see how it just unfolds right in here in Hebrews. And so everybody has to choose which world we'll live in. And I want to share with you that the next world, how long does the next world last? Whether you go to hell, how long does that last? If you go to heaven, how long does that last? Exactly. Your choices will have everlasting effects in all of this. So one's going to last, you know, this world's nothing. In fact, in Romans, it says the sufferings of this life are absolutely nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us in heaven. Man, it'll be so awesome in heaven. The worst day of your life here will be nothing. Heaven's going to last forever. So here we are in Hebrews 2, verse 5 through 9. Last week, we looked real quick last week at, at what he said. He said, don't drift. Don't drift. Because the Jews who had given their life to Christ, the ones who were starting to follow, they, they were being lured away by the other Jews who were not followers because, because they were getting persecuted. And the other Jews were like, hey, if you follow us and go back to angels and go back to, to, the, to Judaism and ditch Christianity, there won't be as much persecution for you. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, don't ditch it. Don't drift. You're going to be in trouble if you drift. Stay with it. In the long run, it's going to be worth it. Anybody here ever go through something really hard where you wanted to quit? Where you wanted to quit? How many are glad you didn't? You made it through, and it was better on the other end, and that's what we're talking about in this life here. So check this out. He goes on, he says, and furthermore, so after he told them the big thing about, whole first chapter was about how Jesus is way better than angels. Second chapter, don't drift, man, because Jesus is way better. And he says, in case you need some more evidence, furthermore, it's not going to be angels who will control the future world, which is what we're talking about. 
<laughs> it's interesting in the book of Hebrews. I love that last part. It's the future world we're talking about. Why is he more interested in the future world than this world right here? Yeah, this world's temporary. Again, you see me a million times, 100 grains of sand right here. If that represented 100 years of life, the rest of the sand and all the beaches in the world does not even come close to representing eternity. He said, that's why we're talking about the next one. You've got all the info you need on this one, man. You know, I want to tell you about the next one. So he said, what I'm telling you is, guys, don't drift back over to the angels and don't worry about the angels and all of that. It's not angels who will control the future world. So let me ask you a question. Who's going to control the future world? Help me out. Uh, we know God is, but who else? All right, help me out. Remember the first thing we said? I was made to be a... Do you understand it's not angels going to control the future world? It's you. You're going to be controlling that future world. And that's what he keeps, that's what he's going to tell him here. He said, man, it's not angels are going to take, uh, control the future world. He said, for in one place in scripture, and if you want to look it up later, it's Psalm 8. David wrote it, and it's not that the writer didn't know it, but the writer doesn't say, oh, in Psalm 8 where David said this. He didn't want to draw any attention to David. He wanted all the glory and all the honor and all the info coming from God, and he wanted us to get this point. He said, one place in scripture it says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Or a son of man that you should care for him? In other words, hey, think about this. How vast is God's universe? Have we even discovered everything that's out there? No, and, and on one of the insignificant little planets code, right? That, that's the one we live on called Earth. Are we even like the most magnificent planet? Are we the biggest, the smallest? Man, we're just kind of there. Hey, how many of y'all ever been out in the middle of the ocean in a boat, a little boat, sailboat, power boat? You want to feel insignificant, bro? <laughs> I was talking to you, bro, about the, about the Gulf Stream when you're out there and all of a sudden flat, calm seas, a squall comes out of the north and it's pitching up 20 feet, man. You want to feel insignificant. That'll put you right there, right, Roger? Yeah. Exactly. All of a sudden, man, you realize, man, and that's what the psalmist, he got some little glimpse of God. And one glimpse of God and the psalmist, David, as he's thinking, he's like, why in the world would you pay such attention to me? And you ever think about that with God? You're sitting there, Nettles Island, and you're like, why would you pay attention to me? You know how much he loves you and has a personal relationship with you. He knows every hair that is on our head. Even if you cut it way down to the stump, Code, it's all good, man. He knows everything about us. And the, the psalmist is like, why? Man, we're just mere mortals. Why would you think about us? Or the son of man. He's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about all of us as men. And why would you care for us? How many of y'all, if you were God, would quit caring for you? How many of y'all like done things where you're just like, dude, I'd give up on, I'd given up on you. You ever been there? God's not. You're God's child, man. He loves you. And even if you're not his child, he's taking care of you. He loves you. And so he says, why would you even think of humans? Who are we? Who are we in the big scheme of things? We're like, we're like Horton hears a who or a little dust ball in an elephant's ear. You know, I think that's where he was, wasn't he? And uh, he said, so, man, that you would even care about us. Yet for a little while. Hey, read that with me again. For a little while. You know what that little while is? That's 100 grains of sand I was talking about. Because the big while is eternity. He said, for a little while, you made them, man, women, us, humankind. 
You made us a little lower than the angels, and you crowned them with glory and honor. A little lower than the angels. You know what? All right, so we talked about this last week. Here's God, okay? And here's the angels. Where are we? A little lower for a little while. Hey, what's the difference between us and angels right now? Dude, how many of y'all could go check out heaven if you wanted right now? How many of y'all could just like just be go there and, and, and when you're in heaven, come back down to earth and whatever you want and all that. See, what we it, it's the fact that they can go to heaven and earth and they're they're supernatural and we're we're temporary and we're carnal at this point. That for a little while we are a little lower than the angels. But guess what? When we go to heaven and get our glorified body, guess who we are, are, are higher than? We're higher than the angels. So for a little while, we're lower than the angels because they have access, you know, physically. Boom, boom. They can go wherever. We're kind of limited. How many of y'all are pretty limited to earth? <laughs> Anybody here limited? Now we're trying, dude. I, if you got enough money, I think you can jump on somebody's rocket ship. That dude from Virgin Atlantic, whatever. I think he's trying to get people to go to Mars with him and different people I read about. But we're pretty limited to earth, aren't we? So I said, for a little while, you made them lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. Now, how many of y'all feel like you are crowned with glory and honor? Anybody here? You're like, crowned? Actually, you feel very crowned with glory and honor right now? No, because you're looking at things from right here, right now. He's getting ready to start talking about our future and all of this. And so he goes on. He said, you gave them. Who's them in this? That's you, John, right? That's you, Roger. He says he gave them authority over all things. Wait a minute. Who has authority here over all things? Don't you sometimes feel like the earth has authority over us? Yeah, go in that cell boat again, right, Roger? Yeah, dude. The earth has authority over us. He's not talking about right now. He's talking about later. He's talking about during that millennial kingdom and then on. So during this hundred years, man, or this, this hundred years we're on this planet or however long we're here, we don't feel like we have authority over anything. Everything's got authority over us, and it's because of the sin that's in our lives. It's because we live in a world that in Romans it says the earth is groaning, waiting for things to get ready again. He said, you gave authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. So in case you're thinking, oh, well, all things are, okay, I'm an authority over my relationship with God, or I'm an authority. No, he's talking about everything. We as believers, Christ followers, one day will have authority. We will be kings. We will be ruling everything. But we're going to be doing it right because we're ruling it with who? Jesus with him. What if he gave us authority over all things right now? Uh, how would you be doing there, Susan? Yeah, would you make some mistakes? Yeah, because you would want to do things your way. Hey, Sarah, does your mom ever really want to do things her way and not your way? You guys ever have a little conflict ever? Sometimes, yeah, we all do. <laughs> How about you, Susie Milton? You know, yeah, you ever have some authority conflicts there? Yeah. And, and so, so the thing is, is we're going to be at that point doing it all with his, doing it his way. Right now, we live in a conflicted world. We, we're like Paul, man. Our flesh is like, I want to do it this way. And God says, no, I want to do it this way. We're in a constant battle. So he says, you gave them, man, why would you think of man? You gave them authority over everything. And when I say all things, it means nothing's left out. But look at this next part. Read this with me. Help me out. But, how many of y'all like the butts in the Bible? This is a good butt right here. But, read it, please. How many of y'all would agree with that? 
you have not seen everything put under your authority. You don't even own your house, the bank does. <laughs> you don't own your car. I mean, what I'm saying is, is like, we have very little under our authority, and we think it's under our authority. It's not under our authority. We're, man, we're just existing in all of this. He says, so here, but, but we have not yet seen all things put under authority. We've not seen what's coming. We've not seen what we have. So if we haven't seen it, but it's there, what's the F word that keeps us going till we get to there? Faith. faith. And God said that's the only way to please him is through faith. So we've got to believe what his word says through faith that one day we will be, he will be telling us what to do and we will be perfectly doing it. Does that represent your life right now, Linda? Not even close. Anybody here? I dare you to raise your hand because you just lied. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the way it's going to be. He's going to say do this and we're going to perfectly be able to do it and pull it off. And that's the way eternity is going to work. Isn't it going to be awesome to never make any more mistakes? Anybody looking forward to that, bro? I can't, I'm, I'm never going to get in trouble again. <laughs> and, and, and it's going to be an awesome thing. He says, man, you gave him authority over everything, and nothing's left out, but we have not seen this yet. Well, why didn't we see it? He, because it's not time for us to see it yet. We've been redeemed by Christ, but he says what we do see now is what? Yeah. So we see Jesus. He said what we do see now is Jesus. We don't see perfect authority over everything. In fact, let me ask you a question. God's in control of this world, but whose system is literally running this world? Satan's system is ruling this world. But it's under God's authority. It's for a plan. It's for a part of time. And it's not going to happen during the millennial kingdom. It's not going to happen eternity in heaven. But for now, it is. And so we've got a fallen, broken world that just keeps getting broken. We've got Satan's system that is not God's system. And it just keeps getting worse in all of this. And, and so we can't see what he's talking about here. We have to trust it through faith. We see Jesus, who rose from the dead. He, he, he's done all this, and we're getting ready to look at it. He says, what we do see is Jesus. We can't see this perfect world, but we see Jesus. Anybody here seen Jesus? I'm talking about in your soul. I'm talking about you've met with him. I'm talking about have you had a time where he made himself more real to you than he ever has? Has he ever made himself so real that you surrendered yourself to him? Yeah. We got to hold on. We see Jesus, he says. We don't see what he's talking about, but we see Jesus, and we should be seeing Jesus working in our life daily. Moment by moment, the more we exercise our faith, the more we see Jesus. He says, now look at this, but we see Jesus who for a little while was given a position a little lower than angels. So for a little while, God made him a man. And at that, as that man, he was a little lower than the angels. Because remember, angels are higher than man. But he was always God, so he never was fully under the angels. But he surrendered himself to be lower than the angels as a human so that he could communicate for us. Hey, Mike, if you wanted to share the gospel with barracudas or the jacks you're catching out there, if you wanted to go talk to the jacks, what would you have to become? Jack, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you just become a barracuda, man. You can only talk to the barracudas, I think, but I don't 
think it's gentle fish language. I think they're, yeah, but I don't know that. But I'm just saying, you get that. If you wanted to talk and communicate and give a plan of salvation to the jacked, you'd have to become a jack. And that's how Jesus, why Jesus became a man. So that he could communicate to us, so he could be our substitute, and he could rescue us. So it says, what we do see is we see Jesus, for a little while, he was given a position a little lower than the angels, but at the resurrection, that's all over with. And because he suffered death for us, look at this next part. He is now crowned in glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. He tasted death for us. So here it, does, here it comes again. You can taste death. The only way you can pay for your sins is by going to hell and paying for your sins forever. By saying, you know what? They're my sins. I'm not giving them to anybody else. They're my responsibility. You know what? I'm going to take my chances, and I want to be judged by what's written in the books. And you could pay for your sins forever in hell. Or you could allow what Christ did on the cross to pay for your sins because it says he tasted death for who? Exactly. But not everybody's going to have that applied to their life. Because there's still going to be some people that says, you know what, I don't believe it. There's going to be people say, I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to test it out. And you go read the white throne judgment, I think, in Revelation 19. And you see the great and the mighty, the powerful, the rich. All people, when they finally saw him on the throne, they realized what a mistake they had made. Man, Jesus tasted death for us. Any of y'all tasted death? <laughs> I'm going to lighten this up just a little bit in this part. But what's the worst thing you've ever put in your mouth? Does anybody have, some, have, a, have you ever tasted sour something? Milk. What's that? Sour milk. Yeah, sour milk, dude. <laughs> I'm just... If, 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 if we could take some rotten chicken, anybody smelled rotten chicken before? I mean, if we could take rotten chicken and, and in order, somebody came up here and there was an army with guns and, and they're like, you're not leaving until you eat this rotten chicken or we're going to let Robert eat the rotten chicken for us. How many of you say, no, dude, I want to eat the rotten chicken myself, man. Anybody here want to eat the rotten chicken, get salmonella, puke, and have, like, you know, toothpaste don't even get that smell out, man. I'm just saying. Death and sin is worse than that. And just, if you don't remember anything else from this whole message, remember this last part, that Jesus tasted death for everyone. He took on death, and he beat it, because he raised himself from the dead. And if you will surrender yourself to him and say, you know what, man, you did what I cannot do. I don't want to be judged according to my own works. I want to be judged by what you did. If that offer is still open, I'm taking it. And I believe that what you did on the cross is sufficient to pay for my sins. I don't want to go to hell and pay for my own sins. If you can believe that, man, then you can have eternal life. Jesus tasted death for everyone. But you got to fall under that. You can still go taste death yourself. But why do that when Jesus did it for you? So it comes down to this, man. As a believer, as a Christ follower, you were created to be a boss. You were created to be a boss. You know that, Matt? You were created, Matthew, created to be a boss. 
And one day we will be. And maybe you're like, I don't want to be a boss. You know why you don't want to be a boss? Is because you don't want to get it wrong. And you don't want to have a bunch of crummy employees underneath you always complaining and fussing. But how many of y'all like to be a boss in a perfect world? I mean, where you get to do what you want because what you want is what God wants. That's really the kind of world it's going to be. So we were created to be a boss. But because of sin, it suffered a loss. But Jesus fixed it all on the cross. And our sin is paid for. And although it doesn't look like it, one day the earth is going to have a thousand-year perfect, perfect reign. And then heaven is going to be paradise. And that's our future. So invest in eternity. Invest in doing, right? The wages of sin is what? Is death. You don't have to sin right now. You're the boss over sin. You sin, something dies, man. So we try to live. But the fact is, is we were all created to be a boss. And Jesus tasted death for him. Let's pray. Father, um, I preached your word and um, I shared what you wanted me to share today. And um, Father, um, it's now your Holy Spirit that has to take uh, what needs to be taken and put in each heart. And Father, I pray that there'd be no heart um, that hasn't been touched, that hasn't heard something from you. Father, um, I pray that we'd live eternally, that we'd have an eternal mindset. Because I know that um, this, this life can be tough. And I think we get so distracted by um, the things of this world, when in reality, they're not even going to matter. Father, um, I pray that we wouldn't get discouraged. We wouldn't get distracted. But I pray that this little passage as Christ followers would be an encouragement to us. To know that we are on the winning team. We do know how it's all going to end. We do know that all of it is falling in place right now. And we're a child of the one true king. I pray, Father, that that would change the way we view things. Change the way we act. Um, and we would act like children of the king. And view things that way. But, Father, I pray that if there's somebody here today. And I don't know any heart. Um, I know even in John 3, Jesus shared the gospel with a, the most religious man of the day, Nicodemus, and told him unless he was born again as a spiritual being, he couldn't experience the kingdom of heaven because it's a spiritual thing. He couldn't get in because bodies can't get in, spirits can. And he needed to be born from above again by surrendering himself to you. And that's where that great verse comes in that, God, you so love this entire world that you gave your only begotten son, that whoever, that's any of us, would put our faith and trust through belief, through faith, through that in you, we'd never perish, but we'd have everlasting life. I pray if there's someone here that's never surrendered themselves to you, that you'd give them a desire they can't refuse. And Father, for those of us that have surrendered ourselves to you, I pray that we would act like it, and that we would be about the business of the king. And we'd be the ambassadors that we're supposed to be right now. And through our lives, people would see your perspective and your power and your presence as we behave like children of the King. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.